Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. You're ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in space. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, go fly. Guidance, transcope. Surgeon, go fly. Econ, we're going fly. GNC, we're going. Down here, go. Control, go. Go, go. FAO, we are go. Network, go. Discovery, go. Capcom, we're going fly. Launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman. Uh, first and foremost, so let's talk about uh, the book. Uh, it's already on head on. Um, congratulations for that. So, w- what made you write the book? What was the decision? Okay, this is the time to write about uh, my life story. Well, <laughs> it's a uh, situation where I was. Uh, didn't realize how far I was getting along. Audrey's been, uh, my, my wife has been telling me for a couple of years, you know, you ought to think about writing a memoir. And it never occurred to me that uh, time gets shorter and shorter as you grow older. And I think when Coach Shula passed, uh, it finally uh, dawned on me that if I'm going to do this, I, I need to go ahead and do it. So I did. And were there ch- any challenges writing this book or, 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 or was it a more of a catharsis, just uh, helping you out, just getting some thumbs out. Because I know sometimes when people write books, it's like, hey, you know, it actually helped me out. I feel better putting this out there publicly. Uh, there, <laughs> the challenge with a, a memoir, particularly when you when you grew up in the Midwest and you want to talk about your childhood, you always dreamed about becoming and going to Alaska, and you finally did that. Spent thirty years up there, and then also had a had a. Uh, football career where I was blessed to, to be around some really fine athletes and some of the best coaches ever. Uh, how do you shrink that all down into one book? Uh, and that's what we, that was the challenge. Instead of just uh, telling the entire complete whole story of all three of those different uh, scenarios, we had to hone down and take the best points out of some of them and uh, just try to make the memoir in a reasonable length. It wasn't going to be an encyclopedia. We wanted it to, uh, you know, be something that folks can sit down and read in perhaps one, two, or perhaps three settings. Yeah, and, and you're right about that. You've, you've had, of course, uh, an illustrious career. Uh, how do you go back and recall those moments and say, okay, I should have this because there's so many things that you experience in your life? Well, you know, when you're part of an undefeated, well, the best team in 100 years in the NFL kind of says it all. And that, uh, when you were part of that and you saw how it was uh, initiated. I mean, when Coach Shula came to us in 1970 with the Miami Dolphins, uh, we were, if not the losingest team in the NFL, certainly one of the most losingest teams in the NFL. And how he showed his doctrine, stood up for what he stood for, and designed a, a winning football team out of that. And, you know, in the first year, we became a winning team. And that... Uh, you know, we started to realize that he just all wasn't horse feathers. That what he was talking about and the legitimacy of his doctor uh, was true because we started to win. When we started to win, a great thing happened in Miami. A very unusual thing happened in Miami. Miami, like most other places in 1970, was a very divided city racially, economically, all, all the facets of it. There were a lot of protests going on, a lot of strife. But suddenly, there was a common factor, and Shula brought that. And I, I try to touch on that in the book. 
can talk about it because we went from being a city very divided. We were still a city very divided on a lot of things, but there was a commonality, a common factor. Everybody likes football in this country, and people from different facets that seemingly were at war, at least at odds with each other, started to come around that and formulate uh, a group of fans that stuck around the Orange Bowl, which you remember where the Orange Bowl was located in those years. It was right in the heart of some of those most stressed areas. We had a great gathering of people, and that's when tailgating started, and there was a great community acceptance and perhaps a little togetherness that started to form around that team, which was an added, such a great added benefit to the, the team, uh, to the city. Not just a winning football team was, you know, something, a sideline. It started to touch the heart of the city, and people started to unify around it and have something in common with each other. We're all Americans, and when we have something in common with each other, we can disagree, we can fight, we can race game with each other. But in the final analysis, we find a commonality, a common existence, because we're all Americans. And I think that came to fruition there in in those years, those early the 19, early 70s. And to have a team that went that far and became the best team in 100 years, what a great point to rally around. So I'm not trying to have the team take credit for that, but I'm saying that that's what happened, and it was a good thing. All, all the parts of it were a good thing for the community, the team, the coaching staff, all the people that surrounded it. It was a good thing, and I was proud to be a part of that. Trying to put that in a few chapters and in a memorandum is a real trick. I'm sure that that was a that was a challenge in itself. Now, you as a football player, as a fullback, you, you ran a lot. Are there any similar players that you see a little bit in you in them today? Well, the game, you know, obviously uh, the, the the game uh, has changed yeah. a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few right now. Philly, you know, didn't well. I don't see any player that necessarily mimics. When you talk about what I had, what I had was shared by the fact that I had some great all-pro offensive linemen in front of me. Now, if you have that in front of you today, then you can mimic what I did. I was a a large, uh, direct-running fullback that that, uh, liked to get through the line unscathed and then wreak havoc on the defensive backs that were 40 pounds lighter than I on the other side. But you had to have people like uh, Bob Kuchenberg and Larry Little like that that could move the big people. You don't run over Joe Green. You've got to run around him and get into the secondary. So to talk about that and bring that to fruition in the book... um, well, it, it takes a little, <laughs> takes a little thought and a little layout of how how we did the things that we did. Great stuff. Now, I took notice there some of your website that you commented. Well, 2020, I think it was. It was a post when the Dolphins brought Tua, and you mentioned that you know maybe and and I would love to experience what you experienced. Of course, you as a player, but me as a fan, as a Dolphins fan, to experience the celebration, that championship in Miami has been a very very long time, and God, I, I wish. I count the days that one day I'll be part of a, of a victory parade. So you mentioned in that post that the Dolphins, currently right now with Tua, if he stays healthy, there's a potential uh, championship opportunity for this team. Do you still stand by that from what you've seen so far? Well, I compared it when I was down there before the season started. I was around Coach McDaniels for a little while and got to talk to the team. And it was a very similar situation to what I remember from 1970, a new coach coming in, a lot of new acquisition of new players joining the team, some with reputation, some without. Um, there 
was a there was a parallel that I saw when I sat in that room and was listening to them talk and, and, and exchange ideas and the coach to get up and lay out his platform. There were some things that struck a familiar note from 1970 when Coach Shula did the same thing. And now as it's going along, you know, it, it occurred to me at that time when I saw that and heard that, that maybe it's starting over again. And now they're, what, seven and three? Yeah, That's number one. We were in 1970 <laughs> about this time. So... I see a great parallel there, and I think, you know, I, I didn't really touch on that in the book, but I, I did talk about the necessary ingredients in order to have a winning team, and what I saw in that gathering just a few months ago, when McDaniels first stood in front of the, uh, the team and started talking to them, I was in the room, and I, I heard it, and it, it made me reminisce about Shula coming to us in 1970, some 50, 52 years ago, and what a great change it made. And, you know, the game, obviously, I would not insult your intelligence. You can't do today with players what you did in 1970 or 1972. The game's changed. There's a lot of different rules now. There's things you can't do. But the plan of attack to be educated and experienced with each other's tendencies and practice so well and so disciplined in your approach to the game, the intelligence side of the approach to the game... I see great similarities in 1970 and today. Now, of course, we talk about the 70s today, different type of game. They even added more games to the season, obviously. Uh, that is a big thing. So do you think that the, the, the potential of tying or, or being undefeated could ever happen again? Uh, it came really close to the Patriots, of course. But now with this addition of a new, uh, more, more games to the season... What do you think are the odds? Or I think this is it. You might, you probably will have this for the rest of in, 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 in infinite. Well, to be honest with you, I think when we did it, the secret to doing it was to have a ball control offense. You have to have a great defense, obviously, to get the ball back in your hands. But when you get the ball back in your hands, and you can run literally run the clock out by just grinding out first down after first down. Um, isn't as exciting as what it is today. <laughs> but at the same time, it was the uh, ball control ethic that we had that we, we could run. We could, if, you, if you can keep getting those first downs, you start to control that clock. When you control the clock, you control the other team because they can't get their offense on the field as long as you burning, you're burning the clock by staying on the field with your offense. So those comparables have changed terrifically. You know, in today's game, Versus yesterday's game, uh, yesteryear's game. Uh, if you had uh, back in our time, if you got three touchdown lead by halftime, well, the game was pretty much over. I mean, because of the ball control, you could grind it out and, and run the clock out. In today's game, very often I've seen it a couple times in just the past few years where teams were down by two touchdowns or more at halftime and yet turned it around and ended up winning the game. I think that's the difference in yesteryear and today. Now, is it more exciting? I think fan-wise, you know, it's hard for the fans unless they played the game to understand the intricacies of the ball control offense. But when a fan sits in the stands today and sees a guy throw a ball and sees someone else running down the field and catch it, they understand that perfectly. And the rules have changed to to make that more, uh, more viable. So, with that said, when you said how how was the take back for the Patriots when they lost and they were just inches away of t- 
tying the undefeated streak or the undefeated uh, season of 1972. How did you guys celebrate? Uh, did you guys call each other? Were you guys together watching the game? You know, crossing your fingers or what? <laughs> Take me into that. <laughs> Rodolfo, I'll tell you something. <laughs> the great thing about being, and this is just I'm sharing with you, it's in the book, we talk yeah, about it. Yeah. But the great thing about being part of the only undefeated team ever, the go, you know, the only perfect team, is that you never, even if you pass away, you're still there. I mean, you know, one third of that team is gone now. But mm-hmm. right right now, as Philadelphia is showing, you know, as they're, they're getting to 7-0 and or 8-0, whatever it is, and the, the old spirits from the 72 team, some alive, some passed, but they're all rising up out of the dust, and I'm starting to think about them. And we're all starting to be, be suddenly in each other's presence or connecting with each other because we're still a part of it. Mm-hmm. We're a very distant part of it, but we're still a part of it. Because that's the team that they're they're competing against as they're going seven and zero or eight and zero or whatever it is. It, it reunites that seventy two team. I start getting phone calls from Doug Swift or Manny Fernandez. They start calling up, going, "What do you think Philly's chances are this week?" <laughs> Suddenly, we're back talking football and talking to each other in our mid seventies, like we're competing today. And that, that's the biggest benefit of being a part of that team. Now, if I'm not a football fan, but I've heard of you, I've seen you maybe in some of your cameras, I've seen some of your, 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 your shows, why should I pick up this book and what am I going to take from it? Well, thank you for asking that because the book is a memoir about my life. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the country in Ohio and uh, pretty much on my own out with a wildlife and always had a, a very, I don't know, at-home feeling among the critters and the wildlife and particularly on a farm of the domestic animals as well and to you know I grew up longing for an opportunity to ever get to Alaska and enjoy that and see that as a different part of my life I talk about that in the book in the memoir I talk about growing up that way and how I was striving to get to Alaska any way shape or form whether I was working on a ship or working as a trapper or any way I could get there if I had to hitchhike I was going to go to Alaska well, I got diverted into the NFL and as it as it worked out, I got an opportunity to have a show up there for some 17 years that aired on uh, network TV. And as a result, I got to finally go there. So it helped me achieve a dream. The NFL helped me achieve that. But I also talked about that in the book and, and talked about the different facets, uh, different facets of my life where I went through this the, uh, longing to get to Alaska to actually see the last frontier. And by the way, folks, it's there. I talk about it in the book. The last frontier is still there. It's as wild and untamed as it's ever been in parts of Alaska. It's shrinking. Those parts are shrinking, sure, but it's still there. I talk about it in the book. That was what I wanted to get across, not just football. But I wanted to talk about how the different things changed through the course of my life and how, as Americans, we all share a dream that we have when we're a kid, but it's all obtainable. You're born in this country and you want something bad enough and work hard enough, you can get there, you can achieve that objective. And I talk about that in the book and then celebrate the fact by telling a few of the stories of what we did doing the shows in Alaska and how much I enjoyed it up there. Well, Mr. Sank, I want to thank you so much. I know you're going to be teaming up with Dave Barry. He'll be interviewing you on November 19th at the Miami Book Fair. Love to have you back here again. Thank you again for that championship, that undefeated season in 72. I always, uh, you know, that's something I bribe about with all my other friends who are not Dolphin fans. 
So, and hopefully I, I get to be part of that parade. I, I was thankfully for the Marlins. You know, we had some championships in the heat, but nothing like the Dolphins, a football team, the hometown football team winning a championship. So, Mr. Sanka, hopefully uh, we'll get to see you at that parade as well when that happens. And uh, enjoy your time here in Miami again. Looking forward to being down there Saturday. I hope the folks come out and I get a chance to talk with them.